Welcome to Wedding and Event Podcast. Frank podcast discussions for event professionals and those planning successful events. With wedding and special event consultant, Toby Dodge of prepared.com. And Eric Zimmerman, pianist, DJ, and master of ceremonies of elegantmusic.com. Hello, everyone. The title of this episode is Design and Function. During the course of our conversations, Toby has said many quotable things. One of my favorite Toby quotes is, There has to be a balance between design and function. Now, what's important to a couple on their wedding day is unique to them. And it's up to the professional to help the couple achieve their vision. Choosing flowers, for example, is often part of design. However, the size of the centerpieces could easily become a barrier to guests across the table and impede their interaction. So, in addition to design, there is a functional aspect that should be considered. It is the experienced event professional, keeping both design and function in mind, who can guide a couple in making good decisions. And now, please enjoy Design and Function. We're talking about design and form today. Uh, design and form function. Form and function. Function. Design okay. and function. Oh my oh gosh. gosh. <laughs> one of the one of the reasons why I wanted to come up with this. I learned a lot. Well, I I could I, I learned to appreciate um, a successful action that I already do for my quartet. Yeah. Uh, the quartet we have um, huge books, thick books of, of arrangements. We have lots and lots of music. And oh this, gosh, yes. We've we've compiled this over the years, and the reason that that ensemble always sounds good yeah. is that I have these written out ahead of time, and that we hire orchestral players, really good players, and um, yeah, it it just. They can do what they want to do, what they do as musicians. And so in doing this show, Black and White in Paris, I, um, I had to be the music director and I had to establish these books for the band. And then it really hit me, it really, really hit me that um, the, the degree of organization that I have to, to do for the, um, the quartet is the is the similar amount of effort and a similar amount of establishment has to occur for a live band and for oh yeah particularly particularly my dance band and I had done a a wedding just this past Saturday they wanted a jazz group but they wanted contemporary music being played by the jazz group so therefore I did a jazz version of a very popular song called Cake by the Ocean. Uh-huh. And um, uh, "Bad Romance" by uh, Lady Gaga. <laughs> oh my God! Oh yeah, and and, and even uh, what was it? Uh, Firework made a beautiful bossa, believe it or not, by by Katy Perry. No kidding. Made a beautiful bossa, and so wow. I so I started really experimenting experimenting with this and and going yeah, this is um, how can I say it? The the, the degree of organization necessary so that the ensemble functions well. I think a parallel discussion here is that there has to be that type of uh, preliminary work to establish a wedding. I, I guess you could say that something can be too organized and that, you know, but once you get it established, then it can re- relax and it can float and it can mm-hmm. do what it's going to do. It's gonna, you've given it a course. You know, I'm not a wedding coordinator. I know, <laughs> but, but, but I you find, gotta think like one. But I gotta think like one, and also I just feel like in some aspects I have to be part of the discussion of planning, the design aspect of music being you know mm-hmm. uh, being the soundtrack, so to speak, you know, to the mm-hmm. to the event, and then just the timing of it, you know, being able to come in at the right time and play the right music and be ready for the next thing or the announcement or whatever it is that has to happen. Um, and so I started thinking on this concept that you've t- introduced to me. There has to be a balance between design and function. And that is just so 
wise. It, it's mm-hmm. it's quotable. In fact, I've I've quoted you several times in in blogs and other. Um, <laughs> Which I appreciate. <laughs> so so please uh, let's talk about that. Well, I starting with what you're saying about the how you design the music to go with the mood, and sometimes it's not only a question of tempo, it's stylistic as well. Absolutely. Which the style kind of goes hand in hand with the function. In other words, the, the functionality, if we can talk about that, is how well something works. If you just in a straight sense, so you can interpret that a couple of different ways. One of the ways is if I have the wedding party lined up and we were talking last week about how some uh, coordinators, whether it's a, a practice from their church or just what they've learned over time, that there's not much room in between the different members of any given section of the wedding party. And sometimes that works when you have a huge number of people and you kind of bring little groups down together uh-huh. because it functions if you have, let's say, in a, in a church and you have a 90-foot uh, aisle length. Well, if you have 20 or more people in the wedding party, and they're all walking down the aisle, including the groomsmen and the parents and children and bridesmaids and groomsmen and all, that can be a lot. And in today's world, sometimes you have more than a set of parents for each. So, and there's times when you want to separate the families for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is it's really interesting how... And I don't think many people really give this a lot of thought. And I'm glad we're talking about it because, frankly, I haven't thought about it in a while. (laughs) Is just how you physically think about the organization and grouping and function of how you place people with music. Mm -hmm. Um, Years ago, there used to be and maybe there still still is in, in some cultures, protocol dancing. And it was really called protocol dancing. Wow. Where, I mean, I, I haven't seen it in quite a while. It's informal now, but I don't remember in the movies if that was the case. But when they didn't start out with the with the first dance years and years ago the father would ask his daughter to dance and then part way in to that dance the groom would come over and he would cut in and then the father of the bride would go and ask his wife excuse me he would ask the mother of the groom to dance and then the groom's dad would cut in and then dance with his own wife and the father of the bride would then go to his wife so on the floor <laughs> were the two sets of parents mm-hmm. in this case birth parents and the bride and groom and then when there were a lot of divorces, then if those birth parents are one couple of them not any longer together, they would then separate and their spouses would join them on the dance floor. And then, you know, if grandparents were uh, able to dance, they would come and then the wedding party. I mean, it was a whole big thing. And, and it was called protocol dancing. Now, wow. there may have been in 
in different cultures, uh, sometimes uh, the mother of the bride would dance before the mother of the groom. I mean, it, it, a lot of this had to do with just what was a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. But you didn't have a first dance of just the bride and groom until after dinner. Wow. Yeah. It just didn't happen. And, uh, you know, I I know, and I haven't thought about this, but it, when you said about design and function, the reason I believe, and I, I really have to confirm this by reading some etiquette books, I think, (laughs) Mm -hmm. looking back now, Mm -hmm. it was a part of etiquette, uh, just like cotillion dance classes, that type of thing. I'm sure it's still goes on but it's just not as prevalent and what happened is it was a way of introducing the families formally so that the father of the bride would dance with the mother of the groom and vice versa and it was it was kind of like introducing and showing everyone you know that that every everything is copacetic <laughs> because they're dancing together i guess anyway that was my interpretation but i i don't see that anymore right. and i must tell you uh it got a little complicated I mean, i'm going back 25 30 years now when it was often done especially in very formal weddings not yes. informal but very formal weddings and I remember having to talk it through with the parents just before, because even though I told them on the rehearsal night, even though I, I may have written it in the timeline, yes, still had to tell them because it seemed foreign to them. Now, when did you say I have to cut in? Oh, yeah. And who do I dance with first? <laughs> it was so cute. And for a while, we had most weddings had all the wedding party introduced. It was just the thing. Mm -hmm. And then there was a lull in that and they just didn't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And things were just very much more uh, casual or done as a group. You know, they would ask the wedding party to come on to the dance floor because some people didn't want to dance maybe with their partner that they were assigned to because their their boyfriend or their husband or wife was in the audience and not, you know, so they felt weird dancing. I mean, it's so much is in the in the head of people and what their customs or maybe even their religions will permit them to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many variables here. But a part of that was considered design. Oh yeah. I mean, from the music choices to the the length of the the music, and if there was going to be any dancing after, it's all part of the function and uh, of the evening. Hmm. And <laughs> funny but true, how many hors d'oeuvres they had before? Because <laughs> because if you know, there were families that didn't have a lot of money and so sometimes all they could afford was literally punch you know um for cocktails and uh iced tea Mm -hmm. and maybe a crudite uh of food and and that was it well let me tell you those families did not want to spend a lot of time in pre-function dancing, they wanted the meal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, in those kinds of weddings, the functionality changed, and you had salads that were pre-plated onto the tables. Right there, placed already. Right there, because they wanted everyone to be able to come in and literally start eating. Now, that would never have happened in a family that wanted to say grace before the meal. 
even if there had been, you know, hors d'oeuvres. So what I'm saying is when you think of design and function, you're thinking, like you mentioned, of flowers and, you know, the visual. But design is not only visual. Oh, there's a beauty. There's a beauty to something that's organized and that it just falls Right, together. and flows and the flows. way it yeah. needs to according to all the other factors. Right. So you have to take in consideration the size of the group, mm. the weather even, because you could be inside and outside. You know, this all sure. comes together, especially in in the summertime. And you have to consider the time of day. When you're having an afternoon wedding or some type of party, it's if it's an early afternoon, like you've had some type of ceremony, whether it's a bar, a bat mitzvah, or uh, a, uh, a wedding, or some other type of christening, whatever the, the celebration or ceremony is, mm-hmm. And you end up having a lunch as the reception. It's hard to get people up and dancing right away. Right, right. Well, then the idea, then the idea of having um, traditional or I hate to use this word perfunctory dancing. Mm -hmm. And in other words, where um, yeah, and now we're going to have a, a married couple dance. And so the married couples look at each other and they go, well, all right, we really don't dance, but we are married couples, and so we have to get up there. <laughs> and, and, and what it does, and what it really does, and I, and I, hate to, um, I hate to just bluntly say this to wedding guests, but, mm. you know, damn it, you're there to support the bride and groom. Mm. And that, you know, do you, for you to just, you know, dance that, grand entrance, you know, with somebody you don't know, well, you know, suck it up. Come on. You know, <laughs> you know, and, it's and not that bad. It's not that bad. And you know what, when actual dancing starts, then, then we can switch you out. You know, I mean, yeah. you're not stuck with this guy the whole night, you know, wedding party guests need to know that that's part of their function is to contribute to the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was a, there was just a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, wedding at the Fullerton Arboretum mm. and um, outdoor. And this, um, the bride was into um, kind of like a retro type of a thing. And so her hair mm. was bleached and, and it was really cute. And, um, and, and her, she and her father loved to dance. Mm. And I want to tell you that they, they just really, really cut, cut a rug, you know, uh, when they were yeah. up there. And as it turns out, this tradition or this, this love of dancing and this love of of um, of being at a party and stuff just kind of was infectious and, and, and pervaded throughout both families that, that are now joined Aww. together. And it was just incredible to, to see uh, the support that, that these mm-hmm. guests that these guests gave uh, out on the dance floor. And it was I have video on this and, and it was just... Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I was analyzing the night. I was going, well, why did this go so well? And, <laughs> and really, it, it came down to the guests. Mm-hmm. Just knowing how to have a good time and just supporting and, and just loving the company of each other. Mm-hmm. Getting back to um, design, I do something with a grand entrance that is um, very, very simple. And, and you, you don't have to, like, really rehearse this. You can just tell people what to do. And they do it, and it looks mm-hmm. really good. And the bottom line is this, is that the bridal party couples are announced, and they line up along the edge of the dance floor in front of the sweetheart table or in front of the DJ mm-hmm. or in some centrally mm-hmm. located space Area. on mm-hmm. the dance floor on the edge. And then the bride and groom are brought in, and they start their first dance. And then let's just say that it's uh, choreographed. Let's just say mm-hmm. that first dance is choreographed. Well, that choreogra- choreography ends, and then from there, you invite the bridal party to step on the dance floor and mm-hmm. join them and mm-hmm. finish that song. It's mm-hmm. very, very simple. And they do. Boom, boom, boom. Please be seated. And it looks like it was 
beautifully orchestrated, and it looks mm-hmm. it looks great. Again, that support by the bridal party that joins joins their celebrants on the dance floor. Now, I have to tell you something. When you mentioned that, it brought back a memory. You know how some people they they want to decorate, uh, and they they can only afford to have their centerpieces. Mm-hmm. And there just isn't a lot of extra flowers on a stage and all those extras that you see. Mm-hmm. Well, it dawned on me that, you know, when the bridesmaids and groomsmen come up mm-hmm. to do what just what you said, their color oh. is the backdrop for the bride and groom. Totally. And I used to see photos a lot where the bride and groom, the idea was that nobody was around, you know, that it was kind of just the bride and groom. And sometimes you would see the stage in the back background okay. and the musicians. However, and, and that can be very dramatic and and look really good in black and white especially mm-hmm. but i have to say when you see smiling faces oh surrounding the bride and groom that's really cool and the color that is brought around them in fact when you had a a big bridal party we would have like if there was like you know eight bridesmaids and groomsmen, we would try and group them like four and four or two and two and two and two, Mm. you know, so that it kind of (laughs) decorated the background, especially when there was a DJ, because visually there wasn't as much to, to look at. Right. So it, it worked. Yeah, I get that Uh, because with design and function, you run into some unexpected challenges sometimes. Uh, years ago, it, it doesn't happen as often now. Florists would design these beautiful centerpieces, mm-hmm. and they'd be just a little high so that people had a little harder time seeing across <coughs> the table. Mm-hmm. And so... I kind of devised an easy rule so that I could tell. I mean, certainly we would sit down when the flowers came and they put them on the tables. Mm -hmm. And I would sit down because uh, even though I'm fairly tall, I don't have a tall torso. So if I could see over the flowers, then, then I knew the average person could, unless they were really petite, but an average person could. If I had a hard time seeing over the flowers, then we knew we were in trouble. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we had to tell the florist, is there anything you can do early enough to somehow cut some of the top ones down. I mean, I don't know because I knew what was going to happen. Guests would get so annoyed that they just move the darn thing. Mm. They would just take it off the table and put it off to the side. I've, I have seen it enough over the years to know that guests don't care. (laughs) You know, there it's more important for them to communicate than to look at the pretty flowers. So this one time I was at the Calabasas Inn Uh years ago and they had beautiful roses and, and chrysanthemums. I mean, really kind of big full flowers and you could not touch this. It was done in a way what they call pave, which means everything is like on one plain and it's curved and there's no up and downs Hmm. there was nothing they could do there just wasn't Mm -hmm. and i think the florists didn't realize just how high they were i mean it wasn't like they do this on purpose 
And I sat down and I said, sit over here. And she could see that there was no way that we were ever going to have a conversation. Right. And she said, just a minute. And she goes ahead and they were in the green floral, I guess, uh, cakes there. You know, they where they stick the oh yes, flowers those foam, in those foam, foam things that hold forms. water and yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she had an electric, um, what do you call a carving knife? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she cut those down. Oh my goodness. Yeah, fortunately, they were high enough that she had a, a good inch or two, and they were just really. And I think it's because the container was a little higher than mm. she thought it was with the flowers. So together, they were just too high. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. fortunately, she was able. You know, uh, some of the flowers kind of draped over it a little bit rather than just sit in. But she recognized, I mean, it was a wonderful save that yeah. she did. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I just laughed out loud when I saw that <laughs> carving knife, the electric <laughs> one, go across the bottom. Never leave home without it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Apparently not. And I have not used that at home myself. But I just felt, wow, that was really clever. But she understood the design and function aspect. hmm all the function is, is that not- people have to talk. And the design is, well, we want a great spot, a pin-spotted um, centerpiece. Exactly. And um, Exactly. So again, and, you know, again, yeah. you know, just like looking at that uh, in the planning process mm-hmm. and just, and, and looking at that, say, well, I see pictures of this. This is gorgeous. Look at this beautiful thing and we're going to light it and it's great. But then, you know, this, this additional well, thing about people have to talk. It is. Now, there's, there, there is a rule of thumb that you can go by. The distance between your wrist and your elbow is approximately 12 inches well, on that. average. Okay. It can be 11 or 13 or, you know, if you're really tall. But it's, it's not that far off. See what it is, 11 and a half yeah. by 18. Yeah, this yeah. is a manila folder here. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's about right. That's about right. Exactly. So that is exactly the height that you shouldn't go over when you have a centerpiece. Look at that. So you can take a sheet of paper. (laughs) Honest to God, you can take a sheet of paper and walk around and you'll know. Wow. And you can do that prior. I mean, Mm -hmm, a florist mm -hmm. can do that with a sheet of paper and you'll know. Because it's not just the flowers, it's the container and the flowers sure. that have to not be above that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can have one center point and then, you know, it go down and then it, it wouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. But the point is, I just, I just had a laugh when I saw that, you know, I said, well, obviously she didn't use the piece of paper on that one. Right. But. I I just um, I I get a kick out of it when I think back on the the crazy little things we did to make something work. Wow. Well, what's nice is is especially when somebody is not that experienced in any given discipline, but they find themselves having to do it or to help someone. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know those hacks then at least you can safeguard uh, things from happening that you wouldn't have known otherwise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's a good thing. I had a beautiful wedding uh, many years ago at a cathedral downtown. And the florist was very generous, very gracious person in every way. And so he threw in a couple of things to make this bride really happy. And she was ecstatic. Mm -hmm. And one of the things was a gate. Now you would say, you wouldn't necessarily put a gate inside a cathedral. Hmm. But what he did is the doors, instead of the wooden doors that would open and close, 
mm-hmm. for the bride and the wedding party to come down. They left them open, and they had this beautiful filigree iron gate that he put in place. So you, the, the thought that the bride had was that the filigree gate would be closest to the frame of the door mm-hmm. from the outside. And then the wooden doors would then close in front of them. Mm. Okay, that was the understanding of how it would work so that when the doors opened and the bride and her dad were standing there, people could see them through the gate. It was kind of one of these visions uh, kind of thought how romantic to see them standing there. And then the music would start. So it was kind of a visual cue. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So the organist and, you know, it was a whole big thing because the organist was 110 feet away. <laughs> so, you know, it was one of those signal things, you know, uh, that you had to have. It was fairly dark. And so I used a flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I had one of those small flashlights. One if by land, two if exactly. by sea. Exactly. Exactly. One is get ready, two, the doors open, and three, begin the music. That's what we did. Okay, so everything was planned. The day of the wedding, the florist gets there, and he puts the the gate and it's actually a little wider than the door. It does not fit in. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, if it won't fit in, let's put it just on the inside sure. of, yeah. of the um, sanctuary area. But it was slanted slightly, the floor. I mean, since it was like 110 feet it was not perfectly level oh. just inside the door. I mean, who would have thought? It was just slightly. I mean, we're talking a half an inch maybe or whatever. But the iron wasn't going to stand. And the legs that we could put on it, mm-hmm. then the, the, the front door wouldn't have closed either. So then you're saying to yourself, okay, so can we prop it up with mm-hmm. something? But it's heavy. It's iron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you wouldn't believe how long we sat there, talked, how are we going to do this? You know, to get it to close and to do the vision that the bride wanted. Yes. Well, what ended up happening is that the people, I had two people, two assistants, thankfully in dark clothes, and they sat in the last row, and they held on to that wrought <laughs> iron gate on the edges. Because anything we tried to prop up, you know, you could say we could have sandbags, because, you know, we had lighting. There's always an extra couple of sandbags. Sure. But visually, we didn't want that to show. Right. And we didn't want to take a chance that it would be top-heavy and just wouldn't... St- All I'm saying to you is <laughs> I got to the point where I said, because God forbid, if it, if it started to move, I had two people there, and they were not going to let that thing go down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because we had to open it. Because it was on the inside now. Right. We, they, these people had to open the gate. Because if it had been on the inside, we could have opened it on the other side. But the way the, uh, the hinges were, uh-huh. it now had to be the opposite. I, I just want you to know <laughs> that this was such a good idea. It started out, and it seemed so simple, and it became, the functionality was so difficult given, I mean, 
I'm embarrassed to tell you that. I mean, we couldn't take, uh, you know, I had piano wire. I was thinking, okay, I'll go through the piano, you know, the, the wrought iron with the piano wire and I'll attach it to something. You have no idea what the ideas that we, <laughs> we went through. And I'm sorry to take so long on this. No, no. no because no. it's it's the agony is the only word I can say <laughs> that you feel because you wanted it to work so badly and there wasn't any reason. And of course, who felt the worst? The florist. Hmm. Because he, it was off by a couple of inches, you know? They probably did the the inner frame or the outer frame instead. You know, they just measured the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. But boy, if that isn't about design and function, I don't know what is. Yeah. <laughs> Having the function, I, I hate to say precede the mm-hmm. design, but there is a... Well, for instance, this. Let's just say uh, a very standard wedding would be um, the ceremony and cocktail hour takes a two-hour block of time. All right? That's that's just mm-hmm. given. And then the standard. wedding reception is, is four hours. So you're looking mm-hmm. at a six-hour window of time. Yeah. And now you can... You know, just like save the date and there it is. That's the date and it's it's January 24th or whatever it is. And so you could always you could already say, well, what time are you ending? Well, we have the room until 11 o'clock. Well, we, then you just know that. All right. So you're going to start that ceremony. Uh, guests arriving at about five and five thirty. Mm-hmm. You're walking down the island. And and so you could just throw that itinerary up right there as a working. Working uh, tool. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, you, that you can hang ideas on and say, well, this is going to happen then, this is going to happen here, this is going to happen here. And that, and, and in planning back from that, well, then in order for the florist to get from the ceremony to the, to the next place, or if, yeah, and that's another thing, if there's travel, you know, between <laughs> one location and the other, you yes. got to put that in there. Uh, one of the uh, variables or one of the additional things that... Uh, that had to be f- factored in was uh, for, for for Saturday's wedding was uh, sunset photos. They mm. and and I kind of predicted that I in my yeah. itinerary to the bride I automatically put in well your sunset time is this because you know she's getting married down by the beach, uh, the uh, Los Verdes Country Club. And that's a big factor. That's a big factor right there, and and so um, and then what was kind of interesting was that. They had this consideration that uh, they didn't want people to stay very late. And so being at the Los Verdes Country Club, you know, they wanted to take advantage of beach beach pictures or uh, sunset pictures. And I guess for some reason they also had the consideration that they wanted to end by 10.30. They didn't want to go all the way until 11. Oh. So suddenly th- there was this time crunch and in other words again you can well being okay you being a an experienced coordinator you could look at all that and see ahead of time what you're going to run into Mm -hmm. uh, with this wedding Mm -hmm. but what i quickly realized was that we don't have that six hour block of time anymore you know we only have a really after with the sunset and with the second location for the wedding ceremony the initial wedding ceremony location that we only have about a three hour wedding reception. Oof. Yeah. To get, to get in everything that needs to get in. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's just something again, that uh, being part of the wedding planning and that a, a wedding coordinator should kind of like intercede or, or should mm-hmm. be an advocate for the, for the client. And yes, it might be an early night for everybody, but you know, you, you might want to just push it, let it, let it go that extra half hour all the yeah. way till 11. And sometimes it's really interesting. Uh, it it doesn't or didn't happen very often when someone took so long for photos. I mean, way more than they said they were going to. Mm-hmm. Where uh, I remember one time, uh, it 
photos were done at a church, but because it was a Catholic church, they didn't have much time right after for photos. So they went to a park and between getting the the families and everybody into the limos to go to the park and then to, you know, to then gather them. I mean, I told them that that's when you want to do something like that, then you hold your reception in the evening. I mean, Mm -hmm. you just forget about the afternoon Mm -hmm. and take your photos, let everyone go home, change their clothes, you know, whatever, because I mean, I tried to devise all kinds of things. Talk about design and function. I would have all of the guests come onto the steps unless it was of the church, unless it was blazing hot. And I would pass out bells. I would pass out bubbles. I would pass out all kinds of things. And... I would, you know, pretend to be a photographer. If you can see me, I can see you. And, you know, that kind of language that they all, you know, do when you have a huge group of people trying to entertain them while the bride and groom went around the back to take their pictures for 20 minutes and and have one picture of the wedding party with them. And then I would ask whose birthday it was and how long everyone's been married. And, oh, my God, I don't know what I other than tap dancing. <laughs> Stand up for, for 20 minutes is a long time. Right. It really is. It, it really is. And, you know, where everybody was from. <laughs> I mean, I asked, did every question I could think of that any DJ had ever asked a crowd <laughs> to warm them up. Yeah. And then. Finally, the wedding party um, came around, and of course, we had saved room for the, uh, the the front row and the bride and groom. They would come in, take their place, and then we would have that big uh, photo, and then everyone would leave. The limo would be right there. They would get into the car, and away they would go to a reception. That was the only way I knew for sure that I could do a three-hour reception mm-hmm. if I didn't have all those pictures. And that during the cocktail hour, once we got to wherever we were going, the bride and groom knew that they could take the romantics then mm-hmm. for a good half hour. And um, we would need to take the table pictures of family members and that was the only way to to work that functionality, knowing that I would only have a three-hour reception plus that one hour of cocktails. And that's how I used to be able to do that, mm. uh, to convince them to break up the pictures the way. Because many times they didn't want to see each other before. And if it was early uh, in the day, the bride didn't want to get up so early to have hair and makeup done and get her all of her wedding party, especially if they came from out of town, you know. So it just seemed, again, when you take into consideration the time it takes to get ready Mm. for a wedding, and if you have a 10 or 10.30 church service, you don't have a lot of time. And you know you're not going to have as much dancing as you would. So if if you have to have a three hour. That's how I did it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it actually worked. And the photographers were happy as long as we had a decent place for the bride and groom to take some romantics at the location. That was really the issue wow. because oftentimes they would want to go to a park or somewhere else because they wanted it to be pretty. And if the reception wasn't that great of a place, visually you know then mm-hmm. it got harder right so you you had there's so many times you have to work around things yeah yeah but the funniest story i have for you about music okay. form and function yeah took place at in pasadena at a church uh that was a pretty good sized church and the bride and groom thought 
they were going to have about 150 people. Mm-hmm. It still would have been a small amount for the church, but at least, you know, if they sat all ways down in front, it wouldn't have been so much. But it turned out that the wedding uh, group got smaller and they weren't that comfortable anyway being in the big sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So they had this church also had a very lovely chapel. And the chapel could hold about 125, 30 people. So it was fairly intimate. Okay. And it turned out that they had about 115 guests. So it was perfect sure. size. And they loved music. I mean, this couple went all out. And they wanted to be creative. They were a little older couple. So the bride was getting married for the first time. It was the second time for the groom. But she also uh, was into her 40s. So they had a lot of history. And everybody who came knew them for a long time. So I knew in my heart this was going to be a great wedding. I just knew it, you know, because they just had such personality that how could it not be a great wedding? Right. So they got a little overzealous. I have to use that in their desire to have a variety of music. So (laughs) he was into um, bluegrass music and country kind Mm -hmm. of music. Mm -hmm. She loved classical music they both uh, liked, um, oh my gosh, um, what's, do you remember the, uh, the Hawaiian uh, version of Over the Rainbow? Who made that famous? Yeah, this, this guy with uh, impronounceable oh, last name. His first name is Is. He's known by as Is. Is, right. Yeah. Okay, so, and they had this thing about that song. Uh-huh. And I'm saying, oh my God, this is a lot to kind of weave in and out okay so so there was a there were then several groups then uh, for the ceremony yes now we're in a chapel Uh uh-huh it isn't big and we have a decent size not a huge party about four ladies four men Mm -hmm. and the way the chapel is constructed with the little steps and where the um altar is it was a little awkward that's all i can say okay and there wasn't really room for we could we could put the the classical ensemble on one side of the chapel it was the other side that was difficult that was very narrow and there were like four or five musicians the for this group. Yeah, for this kind of countryish uh, kind of music, uh-huh. and I mean, it was it was contemporary, but spiritual as well. But it was the instrumentation and the need for amplification and really all this kind of stuff in this tiny space was very difficult. Now, what made it even more challenging was that the classical musicians, after they finished, they were actually playing the guests in mm-hmm. and um, uh, like a prelude music. So they were only there, supposed to be there for like a half an hour. Okay. Maybe 40 oh, minutes. And, and, and so they were thinking they would leave then after they played? Yeah. They had to because they had to get to the hotel to play cocktails. Sure. Okay. So, <laughs> there was a door behind them, which was parallel to the altar. Okay. So, they had to leave at a time that they would not be noticed. Think about this. So, did they play the processionals in? Did they get them in? No, no. They're they just playing prelude know. music. They just, they were just, just they were just going to have the prelude music, which okay. was about a half an hour. Right. Okay. Okay. 
then then they leave but no they couldn't leave yet okay um then we had the music of the hawaiian version of over the rainbow okay for the groom to walk down but that was pre-recorded so that we had to have the sound man at the church play the hymn in okay then we had the uh, bluegrass people once the wedding party was in with the bluegrass music mm -hmm. then the just before the um, pastor got everyone to pay attention to him the classical musicians left I believe <laughs> yeah. yeah wow because there, there was no way that we we could bring the other musicians in that should have been difficult enough right yeah okay that's not the end oh what happened was the bride wanted to surprise the groom he did not know about this the usc marching band oh, yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the ceremony the usc marching band that we had a small group about 12 10 or 12 only no, no yeah, larger because yeah, yeah. they have you know obviously yeah. much larger yeah so where do you put them this yeah, is yeah. a small church so and they we they were not ready in the parking lot when they said they would arrive uh -oh. so i am now trying to get them I didn't want to start the ceremony until they were in the, at least their bodies were in. Cause you know, when a pastor says this is going to be X amount of minutes, sometimes it's shorter, sometimes it's longer. Sure. It's not fair to, sure. you know, to pin them down to the minute. So I wanted the band to be there with the instruments and the guys I knew they would have to put their jackets on mm -hmm. and and get their instrumentation all done. So I knew that was going to take about 10 minutes. It's very hard for them to do it under 10 minutes. Then I had to get them into position quietly in the hallway. <laughs> and the bro I so I couldn't tell the groom anything. He's thinking that I'm an idiot because I'm stalling and he doesn't uh, he's getting perturbed at me. Yeah. I'm putting my head into, because they didn't see each other before, into the bride's room. And I'm saying, look, I'm in, I'm in communication with them, but they're, they're not here yet. And I don't want to have start this. <laughs> and she looks at me and she says, Toby, they're supposed to be here. It's not my problem. I'm not keeping my guests waiting. We're starting. I mean, she was dead serious. And I said, absolutely. I mean, I am not at that moment going to say to her. No, no. You're going to have to pay these people whether they get on time or not. No. You know, uh, because we don't know what's happening with traffic. I mean, they're, they're, you know. Right. So I said, no problem. So then the groom calms down. Because he really doesn't know if it's her or me. And I'm not telling him anything. <laughs> we started maybe seven minutes. It, it was oh, five to on. seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. nothing. Yeah. But this bride, I'm telling you, uh -huh. she invited her guests for X hour. And that's when that music was going to start. Right. So we got everybody in. And sure enough, the guys came. Because part of it was noise. I didn't want, I had to keep a door you know, open and I didn't, I wanted them in, in inside and quiet yeah. in another area and then walk them through. Well, I didn't have that choice now. Right. So I had to get them already outside and, and in and everything went off perfectly. What we did is when they were pronounced bride, you know, husband and wife, we opened the doors and the musicians walked in single file, separated went down the aisle outer, on the outer, on the outer yeah. aisle uh -huh. and 
played everybody out. And then the bride and groom went into the side courtyard that faced Colorado. And the musicians came out there and did a show for 10 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Well, I want to tell you. <laughs> and did I forget to tell you there was also a vocalist? There oh, was, no. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot my. about that. The, the uh, bluegrass had a vocalist that sang. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to tell you, by the time I got them to the hotel, I felt like I'd already had a wedding. <laughs> 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 because the, uh, the amount, you know, of nonsense that went on. I mean, it was... It was wonderful because it all came off. It all came off. But yeah. you know, it was it was tense there for a little <laughs> bit, you know, because what if the guests were a little late? I mean, and and the musicians, you know, um, the band from uh, SC was coming from another gig. Oh, Jesus! And you know, so I had I didn't have total control over that either. It wasn't like I you know could tell them be here at such and such. Well, yeah, ma'am, we'll be there, but we got to go from here to there first. And I don't know what the, you know, traffic's going to be like. And I said, how much time are you giving, you know, yourselves to get? Because I'm trying to figure out, look, you know, if this is going to be too tight, I'm going to tell them not to do it, you mm -hmm, know, because mm -hmm. I don't want them to be so disappointed. Sure. Anyway, can you believe that? I can believe that. <laughs> I can believe that. And and well done handling that. That. And isn't it cool to be able to make a vision of the bridegroom actually happen? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was hard because the the church coordinator that was also helping, um, actually, I was helping her at that in her house of worship. She did not recognize the uh, version of Over the Rainbow. So she thought it was the wrong song. And she was holding back the groom. Because I, at that moment, had to go out to check to see if they had arrived. And so he got very irritated, the groom. And so when I, I came in, I said, open the door, open the door, open the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. You know, it's, <laughs> you, you know, you made somebody's dreams come true. And that's a wonderful thing. But uh, if they only knew how how nervous and you know and right. you, you fret sometimes <laughs> over these things. Oh my gosh! Wow. Anyway. Well, well done for making it go right. And I, I, I the story behind the story. <laughs> the story behind the story, and and then what's interesting is that after the Effer wedding. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to do after a wedding is to is yeah. to talk it over with uh, with with Sheila or or with whoever oh, yeah. I'm with you know and just say oh yeah. did you see that happen and, da, da, da. and you know what happened they they left the door open or da, da, da. they had to, <laughs> the, the mic didn't work so I had to run up there and turn it on for him or something or yeah. whatever whatever happened there and um and there's all this yeah additional color behind the, the scenes yes. and the drama yes. and the, the things that you never hear about you know. <laughs> And the bride and groom, they, sure. they'll have their version of it. You know, they'll have oh, their... Oh, I assure you they will. <laughs> <laughs> and so the day after, they, they'll talk all about that, you know, and, and the whole family will get together. I'm, I, yes. I mean, uh, this bride, um, I'm sure didn't realize, but she was a threatening. <laughs> 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 You know, like, you know, you're going to have hell to pay if this doesn't, you know. That's right. Basically is what, what the message was, and I knew what she meant. <laughs> so, oh my God. You have been listening to Wedding and Event Podcast with Toby Dodge and Eric Zimmerman. If you have a question, comment, or topic suggestion, please call Eric at 626 797 1795 or contact Eric by email eric at elegantmusic.com that's e-r-i-c at elegantmusic.com contact Toby by email toby at prepared.com that's t-o-b-e-y 
at P-R-E-P-A-I-R-E-D dot com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and receive a new episode each week. Thank you for listening.